All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Denver and welcome to Game 2 of the Western Conference Final. Today is June 2nd. It is day 32 of the Stanley Cup playoffs. This is the Daily Faceoff Show. We're streaming live on dailyfaceoff.com as well as Twitter and YouTube. He is former NHL netminder and Daily Faceoff analyst, Mike McKenna. Mike, how you doing? I'm great. I already fertilized the lawn today. What uh, what day is this on the road for you, Frank? Man, you've been grinding. Are you, are you doing all right out there in the wild? Yeah, I'm surviving. I think this is day 16 or so. It's It's been a lot, but uh, we're getting through it, and I'm looking forward to tonight's game. We have some news this morning out of the morning skate at Ball Arena. Darcy Kemper out for game two, as confirmed by Coach Jared Bednar. It will be Pavel Francouz's net, and we'll get to that news momentarily. Mike, but let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, and let's drop the puck with this. The New York Rangers send uh, a shot across the bow of the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Game one of the Eastern Conference Final on Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden. And when you look at that 6-2 final score, the Rangers getting more past Andre Vasilevsky in game one than the Florida Panthers did in their entire series in round two. What do you make of the Rangers' hot start? And is this believable? Can Is this something that can be repeated? Or is this just a case of the Lightning dealing with a little bit of rust coming off of a nine-day layoff? Uh, it might be a little bit of everything, but more than anything, I think that the Rangers 
but it'll be Frank. I mean, it's tied two to two midway through the game. And then the Rangers just took over, not just capitalizing on chances, but forcing them to happen. And, you know, you look at Panarin's goal 30 seconds into the third period. It's just instantaneous right off the bat at the start. And that put an exclamation point on the game for me. And, you know, you look at the contributions through the lineup for the Rangers, the kid line, Frank, has been fantastic, in, especially in the, in the game last night. It wasn't just the rush game. Okay, Lafreniere, Heedle, Kako, you know, I, I've watched him before and thought, man, the rush game's good, but in zone, not sold on him. Well, last night, the way they cycled the puck down low, looking at Kako be able to possess the puck behind the net and have the confidence to make a play out front to Heedle, like there's a growth to their game there that's really been noticeable throughout playoffs. And you can see the the point per, uh the production out of these players. So uh, one quick quote from Hedl that I love, he said, I'm so happy that I can help the team like this and we're winning games. So the mentality's there. Their big guys are stepping up. Zabanajad was swinging for the fences the whole third period. Like the Rangers just didn't let up. They didn't play defense at all. If they, that, they didn't shut down that way, I should say. And Shosturkin played fantastic, man. Like expected goals against was four and a half. Like the Lightning were supposed to score four and a half goals. According to natural statric, Shesterkin held him to two. So impressive performance by the Rangers. But I also think Tampa was a little rusty coming out of the gates. Yeah. Igor Shesterkin, the unquestioned MVP of the New York Rangers. And you look at their most valuable skater. You hit on him, Mika Zibanejad, the production that he's had in the playoffs. And it, and it hasn't just been the production. As you look at the scoring leaders in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Zibanejad third, followed closely by, by defenseman Adam Fox. It's also been in the games where he hasn't gotten on the score sheet, Mike. Zibanejad's the one that's dragging this team into the fight as they struggled mm -hmm. their way through that first-round series against the Pittsburgh Penguins, were blanked at times offensively and couldn't get a lot going against the Carolina Hurricanes. Zibanejad was the guy right there, sort of creating opportunities and chances, continually digging and pushing. And you mentioned the kid line as well. I mean, can't say enough good things about them. They've turned the Rangers from a two-dimensional team into a three-dimensional team. And I, you know, I feel like a broken record, not patting myself on the back. My arm actually isn't long enough to reach. But when you look at the production from the Rangers, I've been saying all year long on our podcast, DFO Rundown, if they could just get some kind of help from Kako and Lafreniere and to get it at this moment in the playoffs, it's really been something to watch. The Rangers, man. I don't care what happens in this series. That team is going to be really, really good for a long period of time with how young they are and specifically how young they are in their back end as well. But let's look at it from the Tampa Bay Lightning perspective, Mike. You mentioned the rust factor. I think that was certainly there. Vasilevsky wasn't sharp. You know, in front of him, the Lightning also weren't didn't put in a concerted effort defensively. The, the Rangers just had chance after chance. They made Vasilevsky move a lot. But when you look at the way the Lightning will respond, or we expect them to respond, given the history and what we know, 19-0 and coming off of a loss in the Stanley Cup playoffs over each of the last three years, are, are they a team that could even be slightly rattled now being down one nothing in the Eastern Conference Final? I don't think a bit. You know, you could just hear the confidence coming from the players in post-game availability that they've been through this before. You know, for the last 10 series coming into this one against the Rangers, the Tampa Bay Lightning have trailed after the first game. So they have experience in these types of situations. And it's not like Tampa didn't generate chances in game one, Frank. They had 39 shots on goal. They had high danger chances. But what they didn't do was manage the puck. 
Tampa just gave away far too many pucks to the uh, to the Rangers. The turnovers were able to feed the other club, and you know it's symptomatic of when you see one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL and Anthony Sorelli get tired in the defensive zone and completely miss a cross ice pass that went from uh, to Heedle on a second goal. Like that's just not normal. You know, a team's a little bit behind They're a step behind when that happens. And when teams get tired, bad things go. So I don't think Vassy was Vasilevsky was that bad. I didn't like Vitrano's goal, but the five other goals all had him moving laterally. As you said, Frank, that makes life difficult on the goaltender. And I'll say this about game two. It's not a must win for the lightning, but they better win it because they haven't the last time the lightning were down two nothing to start a series. It's 2019 against the Columbus Blue Jackets when they bowed out in four straight. It's been a while. They've won 10 straight series. And, you know, to your point about Vasilevsky, in 93 career playoff games, the Rangers tagged him with tied for the most he's ever given up in a playoff game with six. It's happened two other times, once in 2021 in the first round against the Florida Panthers. He was able to wipe that off the, the slate pretty quickly and rebound and win that series. And then uh, a couple of years back in 2018. So it hasn't happened all that often. But at the, on the flip side of this, the Lightning also, Mike, haven't faced a goaltender to this point in the playoffs that is the quality or, or reaches the level of play of Igor Shesterkin. How will they manage that? You mentioned the mm -hmm. 39 shots. Were they of the quality factor that you need to win? Well, I mean, I think that they had a decent amount of them. Then Shishchurkin was able to cancel that. But I do still look at the experience that the Lightning had last year. They beat Carey Price in the Stanley Cup Finals. That's facing a goaltender of that echelon. Um, but Shishchurkin has been on a different level all season long. So it will be a tough task for the Lightning. Um, but I'm sure it's something that they're not really too worried about within their own locker room. Yeah, you mentioned this is the best goaltending matchup since that Cup Final last year when it was Price against Vasilevsky. And Speaking of goalies, we, as mentioned off the top of the show, some news, Jared Bednar confirming that Darcy Kemper will miss game two of the Western Conference final. Not really that much of a shock. He didn't seem optimistic, Bednar, and talking about Kemper after, you know, just listening to his tone after game one. My question to you, Mike, is do you think that this is going to swing the series in the favor of the Edmonton Oilers with the Avs being without their number one netminder? To me, it really doesn't make a big difference. And I'll say I was actually really excited to see Darcy Kemper in this series because I felt like he hadn't had a chance to find his rhythm yet. And against Edmonton, he was going to have to. So I was looking forward to seeing that. But uh, to me, Pavel Francouz is someone that hasn't gotten a lot of credit around the NHL due to his limited time and his advanced age. But this guy's 31 years old. He's been a 920 save percentage goaltender just about everywhere he's been for his career. Czech League, Russia, American League, NHL. And he does have some playoff experience. He's played nine games. He's won three straight. I love his technical game. The only thing I question is his size, Frank. He's only six foot. How is he going to handle a Vander Kane right in front of him all night long? Um, so that's one thing that I've got my eye on. But I think Francois is capable. I actually thought midway through the season there was a chance that he might have the opportunity to win the crease when Kemper was going through some injury problems and had COVID. That didn't happen, but I do like Francois as a goaltender and think he is capable of carrying Colorado as needed. That's the only thing, though. You mentioned thinking that Francois might have a chance to take the net. It was never really not Kemper's. I know that Kemper only right. missed four games in early December uh, with an upper body injury and bounced back quickly. And he did miss a little bit of time due to COVID as well. But this is a guy that has struggled to stay upright at times throughout his career. You think back to the last couple seasons in Arizona, which 
probably ends up is the reason why he, he ends up being in Colorado to begin with for this year. Um, I kind of, you know, I'm curious to see, I kind of disagree with you. Like, I think this is a real opening for the Edmonton Oilers and I'm not saying that Pavel Francouz can't do it, but consider you mentioned the size factor. I'm going to mention the experience factor on two different fronts. One is game one, the last half of that, when he entered the game, it was the first time he had ever seen the Edmonton Oilers in his NHL career. And not only that, but he has limited Stanley cup playoff experience. You think back to that Edmonton bubble in 2020, well, he played, I don't know, five games spelling Kemper when he went out before he then also went out with injury. And it, it's a tough spot to enter now, having really not played, you know, you played a couple games while Kemper had that eye injury. But other than that, hasn't seen much action in, you know, we're, we're in June now. It's been a month yeah. since he's really kind of played any sort of meaningful hockey. So it's a tough spot to step into. And I think for the Oilers, they've got a real opportunity here to move forward. So a uh, big game for the Oilers in game two to get back to level ground. The winner of a team that goes up to nothing in the conference final round is 91 and seven all time. So uh, the Oilers want to try and get back to level ground, heading back to Northern Alberta for game three. And that brings us to Mike, our down and out series, which we continue uh, we're focusing on teams that lost in the playoffs and regrouping and taking a look at the big picture and what's ahead for their season. Today up is the Boston Bruins. And it's really interesting because, I don't know, it's been feels like 10 days or so since Cam Neely addressed the media and talked about the, or maybe didn't really talk about the job status of Bruce Cassidy moving mm -hmm. forward. He really seemed to leave that dangling out there. We have no resolution yet on Bruce Cassidy and what his future is, even though he is under contract for next season. We haven't seen an announcement on a contract extension for general manager Don Sweeney, who was in the final year of his deal. And speaking of contracts, kind of a big year for Patrice Bergeron. Does he want another one? It seems like, and he mentioned this after the season ended, Boston is the only place that he wants to continue playing if he does want to keep playing. He seemed to me like a guy, Mike, that at the end and watching the players congratulate him leaving, that, I don't know, maybe he felt at peace with the entire situation. He, he seemed a little bit worn down and beat up towards the end of that season. Productive as ever, uh, should win the Selkie this year. What do you see as the big question marks for the Bruins heading into the summer? Well, first, I, I agree with you with, with Bergeron. Watching his body language at the end of the game and when the series ended, kind of had a hunch that might have been it for him. But I, I agree with Cassidy being real interesting here. You know, another year left, but Neely's comments saying, well, he's a fantastic coach. I like him as a coach. That's about as far as it went. So um, I'm not sure. I think Cassidy's back, but I don't think he has much leash. My big question here is how do they fill the hole of Bergeron if he doesn't play and Marshawn potentially missing the first couple months of the season uh, when he is recovering from uh, from surgery? So, you know, you're missing a lot of production up front. I love the back end of the Bruins, but they are pretty heavy, especially in their spending on it. And there's not a ton of cap room. So, you know, Lindholm, McAvoy, Carlo, go down the list. It's great on the backside, but I already thought they were thin at the center ice position. And if Bergeron steps away, now you've got Halla, Coyle, Nosek. That's it to go with Taylor Hall. And you've got DeBrusque who still wants a trade. So Frank, like, I'm not sure how to quite read the Bruins right now, other than they still have work to do, especially with their forwards and even maybe in the coaching position. I wouldn't be surprised if they make a coaching change, if they, Jake DeBrusque, who did sign that extension for the deadline in the hopes of getting moved 
would end up considering staying in Boston. I don't think it's a city issue. I think it was a coach issue and a communication factor and friction with the coach. So if there is a change, maybe DeBrusque is back. But to your point, Mike, the Bruins, when I looked at them all season long, if that top line wasn't going, you kept asking yourself, okay, who will be? Who is going to step up and provide that production? And, man, at times they just seem to be really thin offensively. It feels like a year of mm-hmm. transition for the Boston Bruins. And certainly going to be an interesting summer, nonetheless, in Beantown as they try and regroup for a team that's really consistently had a lot of success over the last decade. They had a little dip or blip for a couple of years and then found a way to bounce back again and get to the, the uh, cup final. One other thing to keep an eye on, Mike, is David Krejci. Could he be back? I was talking to a number of people at the world championships and they were just saying David Krejci looks exactly like David Krejci. So his production remained the same um, as he played overseas this last year and got a chance to play at home. Will he consider coming back to play in the NHL? I'd imagine just like Bergeron, it would be only for the Bruins if that were the case. Let's get to Jason Greger now for a look at the Edmonton Oilers in our latest segment of the All 32. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's right. Pleased to welcome back to the Daily Faceoff Show, Jason Greger, who covers the Edmonton Oilers, of course, at Oilers Nation, as well as TSN on the afternoon drive in Edmonton. This is the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. Jason, uh, you had a great story on Oilers Nation over uh, just recapping and looking at game one. And one of the things I was fascinated to read about, you really dug into this trend that seemed to develop over the last number of weeks where the Oilers would get a goal and it seemed like they'd let their foot off the gas and the opponent would have a chance to get back in quickly. We saw that with the Kale McCarr goal to end the first period. Less than nine seconds after the Oilers tie it up, there's McCarr on that controversial offside review, getting in and and getting the uh, Colorado Avalanche back with the momentum. How do they fix that 
Well, Frank, it's been a problem really since the LA Kings series. It happened twice there, three times in Calgary, and, and now again in, in Colorado. Three times, right? They, they had a goal nine seconds uh, after they went up one nothing. It was 36 seconds. And after they tied the game at three, it was 99 seconds later. So um, Leon Dreisaitl addressed that after game five of Calgary, saying, you know, it's something, again, that we got to learn from. And it's it's obviously something they didn't learn yet. So, you know, we'll see tonight if, if they can bounce back. It's just a focus point. And, you know, I wonder if, you know, the coach has tried different line combinations, right? So he's tried different lines after a goal to see if maybe it'll work. And, and none of them have really because they've all been on the ice and susceptible to a goal again. So I think it's just attention to detail and focus. And maybe, you know, Woodcroft says, okay, shift after a goal just chipping and chasing done try to keep the momentum on our side because they've been unable to do it jason so much of this series to me actually i think revolves around the defensive core of both teams and i've held in contention that if colorado outscores edmonton from the backside they're probably going to win this series and maybe that's a tall task for the oilers they're not built as offensively not having a macar somebody but if you're in the defensive side of the oilers and particularly in that decor what would a successful game to look like well, the, the big challenge right now is Darnell Nurse is injured. Everybody knows it. and But the injury, you know, to me, looked like it was hampering him more in game one. I wonder if it, during this series we see Kulak and Nurse switch. And you put Kulak and CeCe, and they face McKinnon more often. And then Barry and Nurse, who played together last year and did it spectacularly well, you know, maybe get a few... Uh, few lesser matchups per se. Their minutes are going to be fairly even across the board with Nurse injured. Uh, it has been the whole postseason. Like he's down four or five minutes from normal. And I think Edmonton, two things happen in, in game one. Uh, you know, Edmonton's a team that likes to create off the rush. They, they had their fewest uh, chances off the rush of any game in the playoffs this year. And so that was a big factor. And then, you know, Colorado was just skating through the neutral zone. Edmonton's defense core, the reason they've had success, a lot of it has to do with their team defense in the neutral zone on the forwards, on their back pressure, but also limiting the opposition having speed through the neutral zone. Calgary, which was very good at that all regular season, they, they really took away their defense. And so Edmonton's a good game, too, will be lowering Colorado's uh, chances off the rush, of course. But I also think that's in part comes to the forwards. They've, they've got to help. That's been their success. Edmonton doesn't have a headman. You know, they don't have a big, huge defense core that can physically grind you down. They're, they're more of a, a puck possession defense core that has to attack almost above the circles. The minute teams get below the dots, that's where Edmonton has trouble defensively. Jay, you mentioned that the Oilers had their fewest scoring chances off the rush in game one of the Western Conference final. And Watching the stars go head-to-head, Connor McDavid and, and Nathan McKinnon, a lot of ice time against each other at even strength. Connor McDavid, to me, and I'm interested in your take, he just didn't quite look like the player that we saw in the Battle of Alberta. I don't know if that's a continuation from what we saw in Game 5 or if that was just the case of McDavid maybe paying a little bit too much attention to what McKinnon was doing. What did you see from McDavid in Game 1 and and? How could he be a little bit different in game two to get the Oilers to where they need to be? Well, the big thing I saw, guys, is if you, if you look at the numbers, it was more so for me, uh, McDavid against Makar and Taves. When he was on the ice against them, the shots were 12-3 in favor of Colorado. The uh, shots from the slot were 6-1, to one, and scoring chances off the rush were 4 nothing. right? They did a good job, that pairing, of limiting the speed of McDavid. Now, part of that started in their defensive zone. And, and they were hemmed in. And obviously when they're out there against the McKinnon line, but when they faced McKinnon line without Taves and McCarr, they had more success. I, I really think Edmonton, like uh, scoring chances off the rush 
Dreisaitl, Hyman, McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto. Five of their top six had zero. Evander Kane had one and he scored, right? The bottom six of the orders had the other four chances off the rush. Great for them, but that's terrible for the top six. I think it comes down to Edmonton's top six. That's their bread and butter. They came into the series leading the NHL in five-on-five goals by a massive margin. They were at 25. Colorado was second at 15. And Colorado did a good job of limiting them. Now, they still scored Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, and, and Kane still scored. But Edmonton, I guess the one thing they lay their hat on is they actually scored off the cycle and off of offensive zone like a face-off, which is normally not their bread and butter. Most of their goals come off the rush, and they only had one in that game. So I think Edmonton's got to go back to their strength, and it comes with – they got to have better, cleaner exits and, and allow the puck with speed because Colorado did a good job of limiting the orders, specifically their top guys and McDavid himself. But like, that's a one game off guys. And we've seen the orders, like for whatever reason, like they might as well, I don't know what they should do that next game one. If they make it like do something completely different. Cause they've sucked in every game one so far this year. It's amazing. <laughs> the difference from their team in game one to the rest of the series. Maybe they should just defer game one. Hey, we're going to hand you a one nothing series lead. Uh, quickly, Jay, it seems a little early in the series for an adjustment, but uh, if you're Jay Woodcroft, would you make any lineup changes for game two? I don't see him making lineup changes, guys, but there's two things that he might, and, and we've seen this, Frank, you and I, when we watch the games together, like he's not afraid to change lines in the game. So there's two that I will look at. If Nurse's injury is still hampering that much, I would switch him and Kulak in the game. And then the other one is, if the Makar Taves line continues to shut down McDavid Drysaddle, maybe you switch Drysaddle to another line. And then, because Drysaddle is an elite player, right? And if they're on separate lines, that means that that defense pair can only get one of them. So those are the two options I will look at in game to see. But I expect Jay Woodcroft. He's very confident in the group he has. He believes in them. He said that all playoffs long. He's going to give them the opportunity to rebound because so far this postseason, they've done a very good job of rebounding after a poor effort. Yeah, they certainly have. And that's the one spot that I was kind of hinting at when I asked the question, does Leon Dreisaitl get moved to a separate line at some mm-hmm. point in game two if the Oilers just don't have it going off the off the hop? Thanks so much to Jason Greger for joining us for this edition of the All 32. This has been delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen. DFODD if you're in Canada. DFODDUS if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. Western Conference Final Game 2. You don't want to cook. All your favorites and more are delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Thanks, Jay. Have a good one, boys. All right, Mike, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag ask DFO. And we know that Barry Trotz, or at least it feels like, is holding up the coaching carousel from spinning too wildly to start. We mentioned the Bruce Cassidy situation in Boston, one to watch. Andrew Brunette as well. Bob Bugner in San Jose. Three guys that may not ultimately be end up coaching their teams next season. So there could be even more openings. But my question to you is, what's the batting order of coaches hired? You know, you've got one at the plate. Who's on deck and who's in the hole after that? Well, I think we all expect Barry Trotz to be first. So I'm just going to say he's the first one and then the waterfall happens afterwards. And uh, I actually I have a lot of time for David Quinn. I think he might be the next one to fall, even though it, to me, he's been a little bit under the radar. And I think it helps that he's not still uh, directly out of the game. Like, let's say a Pete DeBoer. I think DeBoer might have more time to take uh, and figure out if he wants to do something, may not be back in the game. So to me, I've got Trotz, 
then David Quinn. Then I've got Rick Tockett right there shortly afterwards. I think Tockett's going to have plenty of opportunities if he would want to take them. He's got a great gig with TNT, but coaches want to coach. Frank, do you have any insight here on what you may think? Yeah, pretty awesome gig at TNT with that panel. Um, I am going to say, as we mentioned, Barry Trotz at the plate. I will say Paul Maurice on deck. And then I will say Pete DeBoer after that in the hole and Rick Tockett right behind him on the bench grabbing a bat. Like, I I think that's sort of the pecking order as I see it. Um, Mm -hmm. Rick Tockett had some interviews last summer, some opportunities this season with the Dallas Stars at midseason. They weren't able to work it out based on the term of the contract that was offered. And, you know, I'd be curious to see, you know, what moves the needle for Paul Maurice. I think he's truly one of the best coaches in the league and for him to be available and out there. Um, it's also like Barry Trotz going to have to be a curated fit moving forward. So, um, I would keep an eye on those guys as, as the coaching carousel begins to spin. That brings us to our daily face-off daily bet segment with Tyler Uremchuk. How did you do last night? Uh, last night we did not get the Victor Hedman assist that we needed and there were no Nikita Kucherov goals to help with our futures bet. So not a great night, but tonight I'm going back to betting on some star players, Frank. So let's jump into it. Courtesy of our friends over at points bet Canada. It is a point prop for 229s. And uh, as you can see, the Oilers underdogs here on the money line with Pavel Francouz starting. I'm actually a little tempted to maybe go on that Oilers money line, but I'm definitely in on a couple of props. Like I said, starting with Nathan McKinnon, over one and a half points. It's paying out a very nice plus 140. He hit this last game. He's hit it in two of his last three. And I think we could see another high scoring game here again with Smith and Francis between the pipes. So I don't mind taking a stab at McKinnon over one and a half points. But I absolutely love the Leon Dreisaitl over one and a half point prop. It is down at plus 110 now as we scroll our way to it. And I mean, this number has come down a lot. You were getting this at like plus 140, plus 130 for game one of the series, and he hit it. And he's hit this in six straight games. Six straight multi-point games for Leon Dreisaitl. Absolutely incredible, the run that he's on. And I think it's unreal that we're getting plus money on this bet, considering it's hit eight times already in the postseason for Dreisaitl. So the 229s to go over one and a half points are my two bets tonight, Frank. So I'm curious why you're not interested in taking the over, given that the abs hit that number themselves. It was six and a half for game one, now seven for game two. Why not just the straight overplay then? Uh, it's tempting. I, I don't love that it's still a minus money payout on on that over at, at a total of seven. And I just think getting to eight goals in a second game is it's just a lot. And at least this way with Dreisaitl and McKinnon, as long as one of them hits because they're both plus money, I'm going to be making a little bit of profit on it. So I feel like it's just a bit of a safer play betting on the superstars to each get their offense. And if the total does get to eight, well, then it's very likely that both McKinnon and Dreisaitl are involved getting two points each. And in that case, I'm making a lot of money tonight. Yeah, true. I'm going to be riding the over, I think, in this series and no proven otherwise. It just feels like that kind of series, especially with Darcy Kemper not being in for game two. Pavel Fransos, the starter, backed up by Eustace Adenen. Remember that name, as I mentioned, because the uh, Colorado Avalanche have run into goalie problems and injuries before in the playoffs. Think back to 2020. That brings us to garbage time with Mike McKenna. Mike, what has caught your eye? What's got your attention from around the National Hockey League? 
Well, just watching last night, I thought it was pretty cool that Mark Messier is on the panel within the United States on ESPN, and he had the opportunity to present the Mark Messier Leadership Award to Andre Kopitar on air. And it was just a fun back and forth. And then the NHL tweeted out um, a much more in-depth interview between the two of them. And like this is the type of synergy I think really makes a lot of sense for the NHL, Frank, is being able to tie in somebody who has an award named after him, who's actually an active commentator with the recipient of the award. And I think that this type of stuff can help the game an awful lot. I just wish that there was a little more depth to it. Kopitar uh, talked about growing the game in Southern California, along with the Anaheim Ducks organization, which um, I thought that that was kind of a neat, you know, mask tip, if you will, to both of the franchises in Southern California. I just would have liked to see more of it. I'd like to see what they were doing there. Um, but I think it's just one of those things that the NHL is starting to finally grasp is that they can create these moments in a in an internet space, in a TV space that should grab viewers and and just be able to bring a little bit of humility or you know the, the human side of this type of award more so than just somebody walking up, quick speech, getting off stage. Yeah, I love the megawatt star power that's on these panels. You got Mark Messier and Chris Chelios on the ESPN side and uh, Rick Tockett and Wayne Gretzky on the other end is so excited this year. You mentioned NHL awards. These superstars or former superstars have their fingerprints all over them. Super excited to get Wayne Gretzky involved in the NHL awards voting process. He turned in a ballot. The first ever former Hart Trophy winner to vote on the Hart Trophy. Looking forward to seeing his ballot when it's ultimately released. So glad to have him be part of it this year in the NHL awards process. Mike, that'll do it for today's edition of the Daily Baseball Show. Can't wait for game two. I hope it's a goal bonanza again, and not because of the over, but because it's some of the best hockey we've seen in years in game one of the West Final. Let's see if they can duplicate it again tonight. Thanks so much to Jason Greger, Tyler Uremchuk, Mike McKenna, as well as our technical producer, Alex Allard. In the meantime, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the Stanley Cup playoffs. 12 noon Eastern on Friday. You know where to find us. We'll talk to you then. Enjoy the games, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.